I go to this huge conference in Miami. I'm so inspired. I know that I have the ability to create a huge change in the world. And so I'm like, I'm going to heal. I'm going to open my business. I'm going to do all this stuff. I invest without having any money. I take out a huge loan for $16,000 and invest in my first business coach. I signed a contract. So I hadn't paid the money, but I had signed the contract in Miami. I got home from Miami. I grabbed my kids from the sitters. We walk to our house and we have an eviction notice on the door. Welcome to Abundant Universe, the podcast that's all about you. Here we talk about your spiritual activation, awakening, and ascension, as well as your personal path to mindfully manifesting your most magical, fulfilling, abundant, and prosperous reality through quantum physics, ancient spiritual teachings, mysticism, and all things esoteric. I'm your personal energy alchemist, spiritual activator, quantum healer, mindful manifestation mentor, and host, Elle Brandlin. And today we have a very special episode. So if you're listening on a podcast platform right now, you might want to hop on over to YouTube tomorrow and actually watch this interview because there is video and I have an amazing guest today. So I want to welcome my guest, Michaela Mariah, who is a self-mastery inner child expert, a well-known author and speaker, the author of the Inner Child Oracle Deck, and her teachings have been used worldwide. So today we're just going to talk about how she got where she is today. Thank you so much for joining me, Nikaila. I'm so excited for this interview. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to be here, Elle. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to get going. So I guess let's just start off with what happened to make you awaken? <laughs> what happened you to you? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, I ask myself that every day. Um, but truly, it's been... I want to use the right words because I'm not a fan of downplaying the the journey because I know so many people... Um, have these intermittent dark nights of the soul and it can feel um really hard. So I'll just be really honest and it's been it's been really hard. Um it started my journey I feel like started when I was four years old, honestly, and I had a bunch of clairvoyant experiences and they were kind of shut down. Um and one really powerful one that also kind of scared me, led me to shut down my own abilities until I was older. And it was through my trauma. I had some, I had sexual assault um, when I was 12 years old and then got into a domestically violent marriage. And the moment that I left that marriage was diagnosed with a very rare cancer. And this whole time I'm living like this double life. I'm, I'm dealing with this trauma, I'm dealing with this abuse. I'm told I'm dying from this disease. I'm an only parent at this point. And then on the other side, I'm getting my master's degree. I'm a high school history teacher. I'm creating all this change in the community and nobody really knows about my inner struggle. 
um, other than the fact that with my students, I would come and teach and puke all day as I was getting chemo. And so they kind of knew something was going on. And it was through these deep experiences of just total inner darkness and still grasping for all these masks of society and really truly just to survive as an only parent that I really started to dive deeper into myself. I later became a school administrator. I was a dean of students and even a principal of, of at-risk high schools. And again, there was so much violence. We had homicides and suicides and gang violence at all of our schools. And it was, again, living in this state of, of survival. My nervous system never once felt safe until I was 27 years old. And so in those moments, I had a lot of anger towards what I called God at the time. I had a lot of woe is me. Why is this happening to me? I must be cursed, unlovable. I am bad. I did something to deserve all of this. And I'm dealing with all of this, but I still, and and this is the thing about me that I'm so grateful for is in every single moment, Actually, I'm going to tell this. I'm feeling called to tell this story. In every single moment, this occurred. But, but really, one pinnacle place for me was in 2015. I went to a huge women's conference in Miami. I was ready to leave being an administrator because of all the violence. And I was so scared to leave my kids orphaned. I go to this huge conference in Miami. I'm so inspired. I know that I have the ability to create a huge change in the world. And so I'm like, I'm going to heal. I'm going to open my business. I'm going to do all this stuff. I invest without having any money. I take out a huge loan for $16,000 and invest in my first business coach. I signed a contract. So I hadn't paid the money, but I had signed the contract in Miami. I got home from Miami. I grabbed my kids from the sitters. We walk to our house and we have an eviction notice on the door. And I was like, crap, like it brought me to my knees because, you know, not being able to provide food and shelter for my kids was one of my greatest fears. And I distinctly remember that moment. I got my kids settled. I went up to the bathroom. I got in the shower. The shower was pouring down on me and I was crying out to God. And I just remember the phrase that I had used so often. This is going to be such an amazing story someday. And that's the one phrase, whether it was cancer or abuse or, or near life experiences or eviction. I always had this weird voice in my said that this is going to be such an inspiring story someday. And it was from there. I started my business. I created, um, an internationally accredited healing school. We had thousands of students. I created a business for single moms and started writing what is now the inner child Oracle card deck. And it was through all of those experiences that I became deeply connected with what I now call source and my higher self that through every single obstacle, I never had anyone. I didn't have an ex-husband for support. I didn't have people to go to for support. And every time I had no other choice but to turn to myself and God. And I see now that the universe was constantly trying to get me alone, trying to get me to only pour into it and that relationship. And now it feels unshakable. I never feel alone. I never feel like I'm on my own, no matter how many people I have around me or how many people I don't. And I say all this to say 
that sometimes trauma and darkness and hard experiences are the only way we can transcend all of this earthly shit and stand in our higher power and purpose. And it's in finding gratitude for that and opening up to all those experiences and the blessings that are in them that we can really create magic. That is an incredibly inspiring story. So thank you so much for sharing it. And I I do, I want to underscore your point for anybody who's watching. If you're going through an awakening or a dark night of the soul and you feel very alone, that is by design. I think it happens to all of us. We get isolated so that we can actually rebirth ourselves away from the old stuff, the old shit, the old influences, the old ways. So if that's happening to you, you're not alone, alone. You do have support. It just might not be visible to you unless you're clairvoyant. So it sounds like you're clairvoyant and clairaudient because you said you had that sort of voice telling you, keep going. This is going to be a really inspirational story that is going to give strength and life to other people someday. So is that sort of just what got you through? Did you get visions or just hear the guidance to get you through the really, really rough times? Yeah, I would say I have all the clear senses in full operation now. It was actually um, being a, it was actually my sight and being able to see energies that is what brought me to shut down all of it. And then my clear knowing of other people made me feel um, kind of like I was violating them until I learned how to use it. And so it's through all these different clairsentiences that number one made me feel absolutely crazy. And number two got me through every single trial because you can't deny it when you can see, feel, hear, and know all of these different things outside of your current physical reality that society is reinforcing for you. That is how I really felt exalted was through these different clair senses and being able to feel a part of something bigger than myself. Well, that's awesome. Do you have any advice for somebody who might be going through it right now and their spiritual gifts are awakening maybe for the first time or maybe because like both you and I shut them down at a certain point for whatever reason, and now they're coming back online and it's like, is this real or am I crazy? Do you have any advice for people that are going through that right now? My biggest piece of advice is your mind, the thoughts in your head will always try to steer you away from your higher purpose up until a certain level. And so when you can go with your knowing, with your vision, with your feeling, and really be aware of it as that observer behind it, but not attaching to it, not attaching those thoughts of you are crazy, not attaching the thought of, is this real, not attaching the thought of, am I special, but simply observing it and standing back from it, you begin to strengthen that muscle. And because all of our clear senses, we all have all of them. And we never have to fine tune them. They are right here available through us. It's only our ego and our minds and our distortions through trauma and hardship that create any sort of dissonance in our field to be able to perceive the magic of those worlds. And so it's really about 
getting as mindful as possible. If I could go back, what I would tell myself is to spend time in silent meditation, to focus each and every day on my breath, literally walking through the day, inhale, exhale, and really just allowing myself to feel that state of oneness and presence. Because if you're going through that darkness, the one thing I remember was that it felt all-consuming. And every time my light tried to come through, my darkness created thoughts that my light was actually trying to harm me. And it didn't necessarily say that, but I was terrified of my gifts because I was so used to the darkness and the chaos and the abuse. Even though I didn't enjoy it, I knew how to manage it. It felt very familiar to me. And so here comes this light promising things are going to get better. And I was like, can I curse on here? (laughs) And I was like, fuck you. You're not going to get my hopes up. I'm fine here. And so it was really, it's really just about accepting the moment for what it is and knowing that whatever is right here, right now is love. Yeah, that is so important too, I think, for people to understand that your comfort zone is not necessarily comfortable. It's just what you know. And our mind and ego's job is to keep us safe. So even if you can logically think, you know, not being abused is is definitely going to be better than being abused. There's something inside of you that's like, but what if it's not? We don't know what that's like. That's scary. So thank you so much for bringing that up. Um, I would love to know about how long between like your recovery from cancer and Like, was that literally all happening at one time for like, was that part of your spiritual awakening and rebirth, do you think? And like, how long did it take you to get from there to opening your school? It was all part of it. Um, What cancer did for me was it helped me to see that I wanted to be alive because there was one night. I lived for my kids, you know, as an only parent, they were my reason for being alive. And I remember one night um, coming home from chemo and this chemo was so wretched. On the way home, I literally got out of my dad's truck and I laid on the cement and I took off all my clothes and I just told him I was done. He got me back into the truck. I wouldn't talk to anyone all night. He laid me in bed and I, I had made a plan. I was done. I was done being alive, but it was only my kids that were keeping me there. And I remember distinctly one night, that same night, my, uh, my grandma had moved in to help take care of my daughter. My daughter woke up in the middle of the night and instead of crying out for me, she cried out for my grandmother. And as much as that broke my heart, it also gave me the courage to say, I don't have to be here anymore. And so I had a ton of morphine uh, from cancer treatments. And so as I was getting ready to, to do this, this huge ray of light overtook everything. And it showed me thousands and thousands and thousands of lives that I was going to touch. And it said, Nikaila, it's not your time to leave here. And I was so angry. I was so angry, but 
I set down the pills and I got back in bed and I went to sleep. And that vision is what kept me moving through it all. And it was so it went from cancer was in 2012 and my healing school opened in 2016. So it was a four year period of, it seemed like it went really fast for me because between that was moving to Washington, becoming a principal, creating all this change in the education system, experiencing all of these, these inequalities and witnessing all of the division in the world for the first time outside of Utah. And then, you know, making that change to create something outside of the systems that I knew outside of education systems. And that's when my healing school was born. That's awesome. Do you think that your um, experience in the education system helped you to create your healing school? And did it were there things about our traditional education system that you went, oh, hell no? Um, did that kind of play into your creation of that? Absolutely. And honestly, the reason that I left the education system was because I was a huge advocate of change. I was pushing for restorative justice in schools and meditation and mindfulness and and putting the children's feelings over their test scores. And it wasn't happening. And so I went to all these parents' homes. I would go and pick up students from school and I would sit in these living rooms filled with with needles and alcohol bottles and and even just walking in and parents having guns that they were freely displaying um, to show me kind of who was in charge. And it was in those moments that I realized I can't help the children until I make a change within the adults. And that's when I started working with domestic violence victims and in our in different women's prisons. And it was all that experience from education, my volunteer work, and seeing the problem out on the streets. I took that all into consideration as I created the school and all the programs that I create. It helps me because I understand from a knowing with with a K, K-N-O-W knowing how humans work. But I used my gnosis, my G-N-O-S, knowing of the divine and source. And I brought them both together. And that's why everything I do is around embodied divinity, because it's bringing both what the human needs and our divine reality into one as we learn, grow and evolve back into oneness. I love that. That's so beautiful. Is your school still open? No, I retired it last year. Um, we are constantly evolving, I feel, as entrepreneurs, light workers, guides. So last year I had another huge kind of dark night of the soul, another layer. And I realized that my school, my name, my accomplishments all became huge weights away from what I was. I was interviewing for a magazine in LA and they asked me to write down a list of my accolades and accomplishments. And I got three accomplishments in. I was writing bullet points and I literally just threw up everywhere. So I went and I sat in meditation. And what I saw in meditation is every single identity that I had 
away from me, being stripped away. And it was in that moment that I had to say, I'm letting it all go. I sold my home. I moved. I shut down every single program. I was working with hip hop artists for huge contracts and I released every contract. I came back to square one. It was terrifying because again, I'm an only parent. I'm responsible for these children's needs. And here is source saying, let it all go. And I let it all go to begin this journey of oneness and the work that I do now. Um, inner child work will always be part of my life because I believe that it's through healing our inner child we come into our higher self. But my emphasis this last 13 months has been on creating unity and oneness in the world. And I couldn't do that with all of the attachments I had to my old ego, even though my old ego was great. She was running a school and, and creating all this change, but she was still so attached to being someone who ran a school, to seeing that logo of first internationally accredited healing school in the country, to seeing all of these students' comments about how they had changed, she had changed their lives. And it was really scary to realize that those attachments had been formed and created. And in, in that way, I was giving my power away to these external validations, even though I didn't think I was. And so shedding all of that, I felt like Bambi again, trying to find my legs, trying to find my, my next purpose in life. And I safely landed. And um, I say that because I know probably so many of you listening have gone through periods of, of immense change where you're not the same person today that you were yesterday. And it takes a lot of compassion and grace on this journey to really open up and unfold into all that we are. I totally agree with you. Um, I think that that's where I'm at in my journey right now as well as, is trying to detach from all of the labels, all of the ego identifications. So for those of us who are still on that path, what do you think the most important thing that you've done to sort of help yourself release those attachments would be? Conscious observation again and noticing where it shows up in your body. What I did and what I continue to do constantly is I look at all the different labels, right? I'm still a mother, but how attached am I to being a mother? Everything is impermanent. It's the one constant we have on earth is impermanence. And so it's sitting with yourself and saying, if I take away mom or dad, if I take away daughter or son, if I take away life coach or whatever you may be. If I take away healer, if I take away light worker, if I take away money, if I take away my skin, my hair, my tattoos, my nails, whatever it might be, what am I left with? And every day sitting with what am I left with? And it's what you're left with there that makes up the whole part of you. And then you get to realize that everything you choose from them is just higher consciousness having an experience through you. Whatever you choose to do, if you don't attach so much weight to it, don't attach weight to, oh, I'm a published author. Cool, that's just consciousness 
having an experience through you as an author. At any moment, you can change and be something else, but being a published author, being a mother, being a worker doesn't define you at a soul level. And the more you can reaffirm that for yourself, the less attachment you have because it's through those attachments that we take love out of the picture. It's just like when you're in a relationship, if you start to possess, and even with kids, I've never said these are my kids. I own them. I possess them. These are beings that I'm walking alongside on this journey here on earth. If they want to change their hair, if they want to do something with their body, if they want to speak a certain opinion, I have no sway in that because they don't belong to me. And that's where I think a lot of people, whether it's relationships or jobs or labels, when we get attached, we make them a part of our identity. And because nothing is permanent here other than our consciousness, we start to cling to that life and keep it alive rather than living in the present moment. Yeah, that is, that's so beautiful. I, I wish more people parented the way that you do, because that's so important to uh, not view them as an extension of yourself and allow them to really be who they are so that they don't maybe have some of the difficulties that we've had learning to become who we always were. So what would you say the relationship between your inner child and higher self is? I believe that our inner child is the wounded version of our higher self. And so it's, we're constantly getting back to that childlike wonder and innocence. My higher self doesn't give a fuck about what anybody thinks and not in a like rebellious way. But in a, you can bellow out loud and not care if anybody's looking. You can get down on your knees to look at an ant on the sidewalk. You can see the magnificence of a flower. You can shout in joy and you can cry in pain and not worry about what other people's perception are of you. You can speak your soul truth from the core of you and not question whether or not someone's going to like it or be activated by it. Our inner child, when it's wounded, like you just said, I was a very loud, opinionated child living in a very conservative family. So all I ever heard was, you're too much. You're too loud. This is your fault. Children are meant to be seen and not heard. All of these different things, and it slowly shut me down and shut out my magic, right? All I've been doing on this higher self journey is getting back to the innocence that I came to this earth with, the knowing and wonder and magic. Kids are so infinitely mad. Like I learn from my kids every day. They're so insightful. They are so in tune with what is true and what is illusion. And it's all of society that's shutting out that magic. And that's why inner child work is so important. It's not about digging up the trauma. It's not about reliving any of it. It's about reparenting those parts of yourself to come into acceptance with the truth of who you are. Saying exactly who you were born to be is perfect. Exactly how you came into this world, your voice, your opinions, your actions, they are all perfect. And when you come into that, that knowing, you activate that divine self and you start to live it. 
A lot of people get scared with this work because they're like, but we have to have rules and regulations. Otherwise, people would just whatever. But that's not true. When you truly step into your highest self, you would never cause yourself or another hurt or harm. You can be playful and, and buoyant and all of the things. But society tells us that certain things are wrong. For example, if you were speaking right now and I got a very inspired message from source and I started to share it while you were still speaking, a lot of people would say that was rude. But it's just my divine will moving through. I'm not trying to hurt or harm you. I'm not saying what I have to say is more important, but my divine will is coming through. And you also have the ability to say, wait, I wasn't done yet. But in society, we think that's rude. In society, when you go out and you dance through the parking lot or you use a very loud voice in public, they want to call you rude or disrespectful. But that's just because we're so used to be told so used to being told that not to be too much, not to be too loud, not to share our message. So inner child work is really just about getting back to the highest self that you were born into. Yeah, that is really important. There's so much conditioning and programming around how we should behave and what we should do. And I I agree with you. I think it's really important to allow our inner child to come out, our inner children, (laughs) Um, I suppose when I'm talking about the collective, we should allow them to come out and play. So I think that a lot of people have become very disconnected from their inner child because of what you said. When they were a child, they were told children are to be seen and, and not heard. And you're not supposed to do this and you're doing that wrong and we just become so afraid to allow ourselves to be ourselves through that conditioning and programming what do you think is a good first step for people who want to really reconnect with their inner child in the first place You know, that's one of the reasons I created the inner child oracle cards was so that you could have a tool at your disposal to every day connect with that part of your being. So I would say, number one, finding some kind of tool that teaches you more about it. And number two, letting it be easy. What I do on a daily basis, even now, is going into that mindful state. And being very observant. And and actually, we can just do this now. If everybody listening right now wants to just take a deep breath into this present moment, in through your nose and out through your mouth, and become really present with yourself right here and right now. And as you breathe into this moment, close your eyes. And before you imagine your inner child, let him, her, or them show you their age, their face, their personality at this moment. Try not to attach or control it. And as you see them before you, simply say hi. Maybe ask, how are you? How can I make you feel loved today? And if it feels right, and if they're receptive, just say, I promise to always be here for you, 
to listen to you and connect with you intentionally. And when you're ready, open your eyes and simply allow yourself to be with that experience. You've connected with your inner child. It doesn't have to be this big ordeal. It has to be us intentionally and consciously giving ourselves the attention and presence that we never received from our loved ones. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for that little exercise. I think that's super helpful. And one thing that came to my mind while we were going through that was, do you have one inner child or do you feel like there may be multiple inner children at different age levels or even an inner tween or an inner teen that we all have within us as well? Absolutely. I mean, I've had clients who've worked from, with inner children everywhere from in the womb to 25 years old. And we all have them. The inner children that need reparented are the ones that created core beliefs. So if you were in the womb and there was a lot of arguing, maybe there was talk about adoption or abortion. Maybe there was a lot of physical violence around you. Maybe your one of your parents proclaimed they didn't want you and you felt that stress and that energy. Maybe it was just a really poor situation where your mom didn't know how she was going to take care of you. You created that core memory of coming to this physical plane is scary. And that's where a first chakra wound is created. I work with all of the chakras as I, as I help clients step into higher self-consciousness and self-mastery. And so it's looking at these different ages where core beliefs were formed and going into the ages of those core beliefs and reparenting them. So you might've had a, a child, a parts of your childhood that there wasn't anything big that really shaped you. And so that inner child might not come out to play a lot until you've done a lot of the healing work, but we have every day of our lives up until 25 is us being created into the wholeness of all of our beliefs. And so it can be anywhere from in the womb to 25 and you can have multiples at once and you can have one at a time. It's up to each individual person. Thank you so much for that answer. That's very fascinating to me. Do you think there's one that sort of takes the lead that's a specific age potentially that like if you had a lot of trauma, say around age six, I'll just use myself as an example because anytime someone mentions like ask them how old they are, my inner child almost 100% of the time is like I'm six. And I definitely know a lot of, I had a very traumatic childhood too, all the way through, but I know a lot of upheaval happened around that age. So do you think that there's one inner child that sort of comes to the forefront, or do you think it really is more of like a, a chorus of inner children that we all have to sort of reparent? This is a twofold answer. So this is what I'm going to say. There's two aspects you want to look at here. So number one, you want to look at the developmental stages of each chakra. So six years old is between the third and fourth chakra being developed. So you're going to want to look at all of the characteristics of the third and fourth chakra. The masochist and the psychopath is what they're called in my learning. So the ways that we close off our heart and power center in order to feel safe. 
So you want to look at that development because that's going to show you what needs to be broken free from. Your inner child oftentimes doesn't have the the words to express what they need. And then number two, the inner child that's usually most present is the protector. So for, for a lot of people, maybe it was their inner teen that got really freaking angsty and could fight back. And so they're kind of full force. For some people, it would, a lot of people I see is between the age of two and four, where in society we call it the terrible twos, but it's really where your th- third chakra is being developed. And that's your ability to say no. So a lot of people get stuck here and they have these tantrums every time they get hurt or life doesn't go they, their way. They have this deep internal rage. They push others away. They go inside of themselves. If you had a, a it between the ages of like 18 months and 24 months, you have what's called an oral wound. So you're going to want to suck other people's energy. So that inner child between two and four is going to cling. And that's where we see really heavy codependency. But it's really dependent on what inner child feels they can protect you. And I don't mean in a healthy way. I mean in a destructive way. But it's what gives that inner child power to feel safe when their whole external world feels unsafe. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. Yeah. Especially, again, just because I can only use myself as an example. But I do. I have memories of trying to protect my mother from my father at a very young age. We're talking like two, three, four years old. And I didn't actually have that. Like she didn't try to protect me. I was always the one trying to protect her and um, trying to, you know, once I got into my teens, I became kind of the parent, but I was also angsty. So when you said that, it really, I was an angsty 90s teen. Um, (laughs) So that really spoke to me. Um, But thank you so much for that definition, that explanation. That makes so much sense. I know this is going to be such a, a powerful episode for my audience. This is definitely um, outside of, of my wheelhouse. So I'm so excited that you came on and are helping us understand all of this. I do, I feel like this is probably a good place to sort of bring it to a close. I want to ask you a question that one of my favorite podcasters asks of all of his guests. So I'm stealing this. So um, any next level soul fans out there, you're going to recognize this question. But for you, what is the definition of a fulfilling life? Mm, I love that question. For me, I would say present moment consciousness. Fulfilling, I think a lot of people put a lot of weight on the external to fill them. And it's when we can be inside of ourselves and full of ourselves. It's not about... I've seen, you know, millionaires who feel completely empty inside. So it's it's being able to feel full of self, higher higher capital S, full of self in every present moment because that allows you to experience every single experience moment to moment in peace. So fulfillment for me is that deep inner peace, that knowing that I am full of self in the present moment, in my own safety, no matter what's happening outside of me. 
I love that. That's a beautiful answer. I'm going to put all of your links in the show notes and description box below. But do you want to tell everybody how they can connect with you and how they might be able to work with you if you're taking on any new, I don't know if you, I don't know if you resonate with the word client or student or what, but if you're taking on anyone right now, how could they go about getting in touch with you? Yeah, thank you, Elle. Um, in the link that I gave you, there's, you can purchase my inner child oracle cards. I also have a do-it-yourself inner child workshop. It's really powerful. I do currently do one-on-one sessions for mini inner child sessions and divine channeled sessions. And then I have a six-month one-on-one mentorship called Embodied Divinity, where we go through your entire life and all of the chakra systems and really allow you to completely embody your divinity. So on all those links, you can find the information and you can also just reach out to me on all of the socials by searching Nikaila Mariah on on pretty much everything. So... Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for watching or listening. I definitely think this was such a powerful episode. If you're on YouTube, I would love to hear what your takeaways or if you have any like aha breakthrough moments, please leave a comment because I'm sure Mikaela would love to hear that as well. And thank you so much for your time. And I hope everyone has an amazing day. Much love.